Sports Plus show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. Coming from cold Western Mass, where, but we had two dumb days of warm rain and we lost all the snow, which I don't <laughs> like, but that's the reality. Um, Matt, uh, also coming from Western Mass. Yep, yep. Good morning, everybody. Hope everybody had a nice uh, Christmas, Christmas day. Uh, yeah, if, if there was ever a day or, or a way for 2020 to go out, Daryl, I feel like, you know, rain and 70 mile an hour winds on Christmas <laughs> Eve is the way for 2020 to go out. Yeah, uh, it was, that was crazy. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, what qualifies as a warm rain? Uh, in 70 degrees? Well, it was 60. I mean, it was 60. Wow. Yeah, it was oh, warm. Wow. 70 mile an hour winds is what yeah. they forecasted <laughs> and the rain and there was a nice little snow i mean it was only an inch or two on the ground but it disappeared in minutes yeah yeah it, we woke up wow. and, and all the snow was gone christmas day um i i didn't i i almost felt like uh like a kid all over again because i couldn't sleep christmas eve <laughs> But it was because the wind and the rain kept me up, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, and then so. And then um, and Matt has the joy of uh, two beautiful little boys who opened 10,000 presents. And, you know, and it's like it's kind of fun to see that joy in kids. So. Man, it, 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 my my oldest was up at. 3.30. No, 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 no. <laughs> he, he was you up talked at him down from the lunch? He came, he came right into our room. He didn't go into the living room. He came into our room and he stayed and he fell back asleep uh, in our bed and uh, maybe 5.30, oh, 5.40, he woke up. <laughs> I got up with him. And then we, we said we had to wait till six before we could wake up Jake. So six o'clock, we woke up Jake. Um, we caught, by the time the coffee pot was, was brewed, like 6.15, we started our day. I can't, I can't ever remember st actually staying asleep until my parents had to wake me up on Christmas morning. I mean, we were... And I would say like five, I think probably they would, I'll have to ask my parents about this, but I think they would hold us at bay until like, till about that same time, till about six o'clock. But we, I mean, uh, you know, you said when you're a kid, you barely sleep that night. So Joe, how is uh, things out there in uh, sunny Oregon? Uh, well, wet and not as I'm a little jealous. We're not, it's not 70 degrees out here. It's, uh, it's more like 40. So it's, um, yeah. this is our version of winter. It's, it's, it's cold today here. It's yeah, we're back in the twenties. We're not even going to hit thirty today, Joe. So Good. that should make where you feel you better. Yeah, um, no, it was. Yeah, so you know, you know, I enjoy the suffering of others now. <laughs> so, Joe, did you wake up on Christmas Day alone? Uh, well, uh, do you count a dog? You know, <laughs> no. as, as, as good a company as he is. Yeah. I mean, and I, you know, I'm sort of used to that because I've been 3000 miles from my family for most of my adult life. Yeah. And it's not a but for, for me, I, I'm like blessed my daughter and son-in-law, um, you know, they were on the show last week. They're, they're here and we're able to get together and hug and all that. But, you know, uh, you guys know, uh, sometimes I'm a little, oblivious to information and um <laughs> uh, so i i woke up 
And I just said, wow, this is the first Christmas in my life that I've woken up alone. And I just thought oh, they were going to come over in the afternoon. So I start to make myself breakfast and all of a sudden, 10 o'clock, you know, they show up. But we, it was, we had a great day. We had a good, lot good. of fun. That's and nice. So yeah. I'm lucky. I'm really lucky to have those two. And they'll be, I'll be together with them for another week or so. That's great. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's funny because, like I said, I'm sort of accustomed to at least that day you know, being by myself and, you know, like I yeah. reached out to a dozen different people talking, you know, to phone calls and texts and my family had a zoom call that I d declined to participate in. Apologies. What? I just, what? I, Bar humbug. I, um, come on, we, come on. We, Christmas, you got to forgive and forget. Uh, you know? <laughs> come on. Come Again, on. a lot of depth. It just didn't. <laughs> well, my, actually my original plan was to go up to Mount St. Helens and show my dog snow because he's never seen snow before but it was just kind of cold and rainy and and windy and crappy so i just stayed home I stayed home and uh, made a pound and a half pork loin and ate most of it so good day good day here. we did um <clears throat> we did uh what was it uh short ribs oh nice it, it was actually in the, in the crock pot it was very very good but it's interesting normally we're that family that you know five christmases between you know a christmas eve or a christmas day and my parents and jill's family and and you know um my in-laws their their christmas is their favorite holiday and and so it's they usually save the week after and and we do like another christmas at their house and so you know, by the end of this, as a teacher, by the end of this vacation, I need a vacation. I'm going to work. Yeah. Because, um, it, it, you know, as as much as I love to see family and, and spend time with family and, and you you relish in the joy of, of your kid, you, you you know, you get burnt out by it's it. It's exhausting. It really and is. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. And you oh. never really get to, like, take – for me, I've always felt like the last – six years i've never been able to like sit back and just hey let's take a morning and and play legos you know it, we're always doing something and i'm happy to say we're christmas is kind of done like you know let's pack it up we we zoomed with my uh my in-laws yesterday my parents came to our house yesterday for dinner so you know it's it's we're we're done and now we can just sort of so are you in a pod with your parents are you What's that? Do they sit sit side by side and hug the kids? Are they are they no your no pod? no? It's 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 a little distance. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know. So they, yeah, uh, that's that's what I'm gonna uh, when Leah Cornelius and I go down to Rhode Island tomorrow. We're just you know to see the grandkids, the four of them. Uh, we're gonna stay outside even though it's cold masked and keep our distance just because yeah. we haven't been around them and we and you know and they're all the thing is as an old guy they're all thinking out about me you know they're if they get covid they're fine they're gonna move on but uh not true for me so i appreciate the the carefulness yeah um, yeah so it, this is the last show of 2020, guys. Thank God. Woof. <laughs> Woof. Flush it down the toilet. Flush it. Yeah. It, well, I mean, you try to think of good things. It was interesting. There's this podcast called The Daily, and it's pretty good. And so they had uh, good news. They had 
readers call in to record some good news. And I have to say, some of it, as I listened to, I was crying. You know, there was a lot of, because there was, you know, you have to search hard, but individually, we all had some joy in 2020. But um, the overall stank of the year is uh, beyond, hopefully never be compared again. Has there, and, and I, I, you guys have had more time on this earth than I have. Oh, ow, ow. Been, Or to put it ooh. another way, we have less time remaining. Oh, ouch, uh, double fair. ouch. No, no, oh, wow. I don't mean it as a, I don't mean it as a, a, a dagger or anything like that. Obviously, there's never been like this COVID, uh, the global pandemic. Have, well, 1918, recall, the flu pandemic. Yeah, but neither yeah, of us yeah. have been around quite in that your long. Life. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, in our life. Right. right in your right. lifetime, have you ever experienced uh, a year filled with so much uncertainty? Uh, uh, pandemic aside, I'm, I'm trying to think of the emotions that are, uh, you know, run along with it. The anxiety, the unknown, the uncertainty, the distress. Even, even you know, um, the, the politics of right, it all right. and sort of the divisiveness of the country. Have, have you guys ever felt something like this or is this kind of rock bottom for you? I don't, and I don't mean to be well, a downer. I, I'm going to go back a little, I'm going to go back a little beyond Joe's time. So Vietnam War was a pretty terrible time in this country because there was a lot of division because there was a lot of people who thought the war was wrong. Um, and then there was a lot more blind following, you know, in a positive way to the military. So the fact that many of us were anti-war became we were anti-military. So there was this huge kind of, you know, uh, split somewhat reminiscent of, of 2020. But, um, and then also there was a lot of, um, you know, there was the Chicago 8 and the, you know, the Bobby Seale, and there was a lot of uh, civil unrest. But even then, it was different. Uh, it was different, but it was, that was a pretty, and the other thing that was really bad about that time was that the soldiers who came back who, you know, were just a few years older than me, I was just about ready for the draft, um, were really, really harmed individuals, were really, um, had, you know, often had real big drug problems. And so it was just a, it was a really, really awful time. And then about that time, Nixon got elected. And Nixon, in my mind, was the worst president ever. He's been, he's not even in the top two anymore. But, <laughs> um, but, but at the time, I thought it was the end of the world. So that's the closest I've come. But even so, it, w there was some hope, you know, we were going to um, end the war and, you know, um, and it was uh, sort of kind of the beginning of real rock music too, kind of Beatles and all that stuff. So there was a little bit of joy, but uh, it's really hard to find the joy in 2020. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I, and I was born in 71. So I, I kind of came in a little, I'm a little too young to have experienced that sort of, you know, like the 1968 Democratic Convention, you know, and the, the riots in Newark and Detroit. I'm a little too young for that. So certainly not in my lifetime. And I think, you know, part of it too, is the, the combination of the 
the COVID situation with the, the election, which was particularly, I mean, this, this was the most divisive election in, in my lifetime as well. So I think putting those two things together was big, but I think, you know, if you want to look back and see, see when this country was in this kind of crisis, I think, you know, World War II, World War One, Civil War, Great Depression. I don't know. Well, what, don't, hold on a second. If you use World War Two, the difference then was people were together. You know, the whole country was together. Um, you know, the people that that stayed at home did victory gardens. You know, they they also they felt it's like now many people don't feel very connected to the military and the losses that the military um, undergoes because, you know, at the time, everybody's kid was in the war. Everybody got drafted. There wasn't any, you know, now it's a really a professional army. So that was one thing a little different. I think people are starting to see the just ridiculous amount of our country's wealth that we've squandered building this military that it's, 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 you know, like we could squash any country in the world, you know, almost any country in the world, you know, very quickly with this, like we've got this massive, massive military and no one thinks twice about putting trillions of dollars. And that's, it's one interesting thing. You know, it seems like in his last couple of months, Trump is all of a sudden become the populist president that everyone thought he was going to be when he got elected. He, he challenged the the COVID act because it didn't put enough money in people's pockets. And, you know, it may, he may end up tanking the whole thing because of that. And he just, just vetoed the rubber stamp defense spending bill, 700 and something billion dollar bill that every year just gets approved by 98% of Congress and rubber stamped. But you know, that's just chaos. That's just going for chaos. That's not really, you know, he's at the end. And the thing is, I wish we could say that the crisis is over, but we still have January 6th to get through without um, um, too many shenanigans. So, um, you know, uh, it, you're the president, you work with, you know, he is representative was working with McConnell, um, the subhuman leader of the uh, Senate. Um, and, you know, they came up with a plan. And so, it, and then for him to sabotage it at the end, he's really, he's not being nice to Republicans. The Republicans are being hurt by his actions along with the rest of the country. But- uh, Are you, are you, you mean by shooting down the, the 600? Yes, yeah. Imagine, like we've all kind of survived but imagine that you were a waiter, um, you know, uh, or a cook in a restaurant, which many people have that profession, and your job just disappeared, say, in March, and then you got some unemployment, you got some, you got a check, you had some money, but all of a sudden that money is dwindled down to just your two or three hundred a, a week that you get from unemployment, and it's Christmas, and then you have the promise of receiving a check. Right, it was going to be like before New Year's or right about there, and now that's gone. So now you have, and the eviction uh, moratorium mm-hmm. is gone. So there's um, we're I think that I heard something that that without this plan, I think five million people could move into poverty overnight. Well, so, but what I mean, 
and, and, and it's very possible I might be missing something here, but $600 is, is nothing. But so, it's not nothing if you have nothing. If you have not, and you owe rent. But it's not, it's not, it's not solving an issue. So right. I actually- No, I, but, it's, I, no, I, but I if you're broke, it. Matt, if you're broke, you have no money, no income, all of a sudden you have 600 bucks, that's better than nothing. Fair. But then <laughs> literally in, in a week and a half, I have nothing again. So, right, I know, but then but, you- But hold on, hold on. Let me- okay. I, I'm, I'm, Big picture, this is how I see it. And again, it's very possible I'm missing something here. So if you looked at what, it wasn't a standalone stimulus bill, it was the spending package as well. And so Donald Trump's reasoning for shooting it down was look at where all this other billions of mm -hmm. dollars is going to, how can you, how can you send $600 to the families who need it and then spend the billions of dollars where we have no fiscal responsibility to these other countries. That was his gripe. And, and I am totally on board with that. If you, if you can find billions and billions and billions of dollars in this spending package, spend it on the American people who need it. So I, I, I understand, Daryl, your point of $600 is helping, would help somebody, but it would only help them for a week and a half. Yeah, and, but, but that's like saying and, a starving person. That will spending only be bill is a kick in the nuts to people who need help right now. You're going to, I, I wish I haven't had it pulled up on my computer. You're going to send money. And, and I'm sorry, like I, I, I am, I was totally okay with him shooting that down um, and saying, look, we need to give the American people 2000. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. yeah. But that's, no, but that, well, listen, you know, no, because he, his representative worked out the 600 bucks. The Republicans didn't even want to do 600 bucks. His representative worked that up and then he blows it up. Well, that it's, wasn't, no, that no, wasn't, that wasn't his representative. That was Pelosi and Schumer and the Democrats that got that, that no, $600 in there. No, it was Munch, Munchkin, Mnuchin, whoever. But, is, but he's not, yeah. but he's not really in Trump's pocket. Like, the Republicans. Are I know, but to be. he was, but he was the guy that Trump said Trump didn't govern. T Trump wasn't part of the negotiations. He just at the end blew it up just to have chaos. So and the excuse and the excuse of the um, money going to to uh, overseas. That's a small percentage of this package. No, so. no, it's, no, it's it's like no, six hundred billion yeah. dollars. It's yeah, I know, but that's are, a small percentage. The, the COVID relief no, plan no, is only seven hundred and seven hundred and something, seven hundred and forty. It they they could take I think, or something, they but, yeah. they could take a a tenth of what's going to into the foreign aid side and double those double those individual All payments. Right. I All think right. these yeah. these so, are the first these are the first two things that Trump has done in four years that I've agreed with, and I and. <laughs> I'm, I'm with Matt. I think chaos. I, no, you're wrong. But it's, it's chaos. But listen, it's, well, clearly we. Well, hold on. We, hold on. You disagree. Hold on. Let me let me say my piece on this. No, no. <laughs> Sorry, I got control hey, of my. No I agree. I like you, it. You got yeah, this this rarely happens as well, too. So I mean, it, yeah, I know we got to start calling each other idiots, <laughs> Okay, idiots. Know? So my so my feeling, you know, is that the six hundred dollars is an insult. I mean, for me, that pays a month of my auxiliary bills, my utilities, my phone, my car insurance, that co covers about a month of that. They haven't done anything since April, I guess, was when the last 
The last bill was passed. So this has been six months of neglect. And now they, they offer this, this pittance when they are throwing. And again, I'm not one of these people that crows about other countries are getting foreign aid. I'm, I am all for foreign aid. I understand the good it does in the world, but right now, we need to worry about ourselves. And the thing is, the thing that Trump's done is expose the Republicans in Congress for, and this is, this is my, my, this has been a, a point, big point of mine for decades that if you are a working class person and you vote Republican, you're an idiot because you're voting against your own self-interests. And they, they just, that was so, it was so blatant that they very easily could have rewritten this legislation just that one part of it, we, we can fund anything we want. And I think that's also the point he had by vetoing this defense spending bill that, look, we're going to spend $740 billion on these defense programs that are, that are redundant or unnecessary. And while we're. All right. While, while All right. Listen, okay. I, I will listen. I'm listening to your guys' comments. I will look more into it and we can continue this argument next week, but I do not want to spend the sports show debating Trump's goodness or badness. <laughs> I want to talk about some sports. You just, Come you on. just can't hear, you just can't hear us not ripping. No, I hear you. I hear you. Um, but I don't think it's productive. You're not going to change my bigoted mind. So. <laughs> I can't, that's the other thing too. I can't believe Matt and I are the open-minded ones in this discussion. But I will, I will listen to what you're saying and I will really look into it and I will respond. And you know, I have apologized in the past when I've rarely, but occasionally been wrong. Well, let's, you know? let's, let's, let's heap some praise in your direction there. We can move it to sports, the Duke women's team and sort of a double Daryl connection here. Um, Daryl Lawson, who's their coach, was an assistant for the Celtics last season. She's really young, and I think that had a lot to do with it. It seems like the players drove this, and they decided to – So what was the reason that they gave? That they didn't feel it was safe or appropriate to be playing. And it was the players that said, we don't want to do this. We don't want to finish the season. This seems – it seems dumb. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of teams that have canceled their non-conference schedules. There, there's a handful well, of and Boston college canceling a bowl game that they had qualified for. Yeah. And just, you know, in, in basketball, there's a lot of teams that have already given up on the season, not none as major as the Duke women's team, but I think we'll see a little bit more of that. And I, I'm, I'm genuinely concerned that the college basketball season will fall apart where I think if they had just decided to just play for two months in February and March, they could have avoided all this. I mean, this is clearly going to be the worst time of the pandemic in the next two or three months. So I don't, again, I don't know why we're trying to do anything right now. So I'm, I applaud the, the, the university and the players for stepping forward and for the coach who's really been, tremendously supportive of her players which is it's that's it's so important when you're a college athlete to know that you have the support of your coaches as a as a human being and as an athlete i played two years of football and two years of baseball division three i had one we got a new football coach my sophomore year this the new coach was not a gracious man and he was you know, it was one of these stereotypical abusive yeller type coaches. And he just made the whole experience miserable for me. And when you're counting on that 
as a division one athlete to pay for your schooling, there's a lot more at stake and you can't just leave because you don't like the guy yelling at you. And that's, that's what, so anytime I see a coach step up for her players or his players like this, I, I, I do appreciate it. So I want to recognize that. Market market on your calendar, folks, December 26, 2020, Joe and I are on a roll. <laughs> Because I completely agree with you. I think, you know, for me, it's about that, that risk balance. And, and I, I think college basketball, I don't understand why they felt they needed to be playing right now. I just, you know, I, I think by forcing playing, by forcing games now, I think you're putting the, the, the end of the year, the tournament in serious jeopardy. Whereas if they just waited, I think they would be better off. Um, I, I applaud. I, I think, look, I, really how I kind of felt about this whole thing is I, I, judgment free. I think everybody has to do what they feel comfortable in doing. Um, and if you don't feel comfortable playing basketball right now for nothing, I don't want to say nothing. You know, it's not nothing to the players who are hoping to have a future in basketball. Right, but like that. you say, Matt, there's a high risk involved too. But, you know, college basketball, basketball, and, and I'm thinking like safety too, you know, from a player's standpoint, their physical and mental well-being, I'm playing a game, I'm not playing a game, I'm, 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 playing, uh, I'm playing Duke, no, I'm playing North Carolina State, no, I'm playing BC, you know, because how college basketball is doing it is if, if a team is out because of COVID, you know, the team who didn't have COVID, their opponent now has this empty time on their schedule. So they're on the phone trying to schedule. You know, and so players, there are, there are teams right now who literally are sitting in hotel rooms that are with, without opponents to play. And, and it, it's not healthy, physical and, and emotional and mentally. It's just, it's not healthy. So I don't know. I, I, I good for you, Duke women. You, you didn't feel comfortable playing, you know, then don't, you don't play. And I'm glad yeah, no, the university a, has real. their back is supporting them in that. I think that's important. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to sort of, you know, now that if the floodgates, so to speak, are kind of open to see what other teams follow. Um, it'll be interesting to see, and I, I didn't, I don't know this, did they officially, like, even if there's a tournament down the line, Duke women are out, they're done, or are they just postponing their season until further notice? That's a good question. I, let me, I'm gonna, I've got an article pulled up here. It doesn't say, it just says the rest of their season, so it doesn't... It doesn't... Well, while you look at that, I'll just say, too, that, you know, one of the points, Matt, you've made consistently, and I really do agree with it, is there's a difference between professional sports and college sports. You know, when you're professional, you usually are very well paid, um, you know, can really control your environment, and, you know, you, you're able to support yourself if you get sick. If you're a college athlete, like especially college football, you blow your knee out, you lose your scholarship, you, you lose your medical, you're, you're out the door. You know, and, um, and so the, like you talk about the risk balance is, is um, huge. And already college basketball has had innumerable cancellations of, of mm -hmm. games. 
Yeah, and it does seem to be happening a little more frequently too. And and it's so according to the press release from from Duke, it doesn't really specify. And I would say the only way they would play in the tournament is if the tournament included every team because they're not they're going to have three wins or whatever. I don't know what the record is. The three they were three and one. So I don't think three and one gets you voted into you know, gets the, gets you committee place into a tournament. I got Ohio state in. <laughs> well, Hey, well, that, that's kind of it. In this time you're rewriting the rules for everything right, right, and anything. Right. I'm just curious. I, I hope that if, you know, however it plays out, if there's a tournament down the road, you know, later on, as more people get vaccinated, if numbers start to go down a little bit or they can bubble the tournament players, Duke women, if they want, are, are at least given an opportunity to, to play in for an ACC tournament or something like that, or, or who knows? Uh, if, right. Who if knows they if they're going to continue to practice? So, but I agree, it's um, it's a crazy time, and you know, I so like basketball. NBA did a good thing, and the WNBA did a good thing last year, and they sort of got things off in the midst of, you know, a really covid filled situation we're in a like three times covid filled situation mm -hmm. now and um so again the professional sports it looks like football's gonna survive mm -hmm. and you know maybe get to the super bowl um basketball has just started and you know these guys it's a smaller team and you know they they uh they are really careful about the way that they're doing things. Just like the NFL really tightened down on, you know, um, how many practices they have, how often you're in the place. And so there's some chance that hockey, professional hockey, basketball, and football may finish their seasons. Baseball is, you know, going about it like normal. And oh, the other thing is, though, you mentioned – sort of the opting out. That was one thing I think baseball did really well and football did too, was they let players opt out if they didn't want to play. And I think yeah. that's, I think that, that's, that's a humanitarian issue. I, I don't think any court also would, you know, I don't think you can force players to play, but I, yeah, it, it makes sense. I I'm, I'm curious to see, what happens to the professional seasons as well? Because, you know, we look at the NBA, it's kind of already off to a rocky start with, uh, with Matt's. And this, this is maybe an opportunity for us to disagree. Wait here. a minute. Wait a minute. What Matt, rocky start? What, what Matt's, Matt's, Matt's favorite whipping boy, James Harden, uh, was in oh. not a strip club, mind you, definitely not a strip club. He emphasized that many <laughs> times, but was caught maskless at a friend's birthday party. And now they're, I, I think he's in, He's eligible to come back today, or is it next Saturday? But he—I don't know. But the bigger problem is Harden demanding a trade. You know, it's that's really the problem. Um, and you know, no, I think uh, the NBA is off to a pretty good start. I sort of put Harden off in the these <laughs> sidelines there because James Harden is such. Yes, he's a great player, but if you ever watched as much basketball as I do. There is nothing more boring than watching Harden dribble at the top of the key, dribble, dribble, dribble. Yes, he gets eight assists a day, a game, which is you know admirable, but he does, his teams have never won anything. Well, he gets eight. It doesn't matter what talent they put with him; his teams have never won anything. Um, I think if Philly tries to trade for him, 
you know, I'm not convinced that it'll be worth it, especially if they have to give up Ben Simmons. So I don't, uh, but, you know, basically basketball is, is off and it's already settled that the uh, Brooklyn Nets will be playing the Lakers for the championship. Oh God, no, no, no. I don't, I don't do not oh, yeah, see, absolutely. no, I, Durant, absolutely. I doubt he's going to make it through the season healthy. Oh my God, does he look good. And Kyrie Irving, so people think Kyrie Irving is a champion. He's only a champion because he played with LeBron James. He doesn't win that title. No, he won a game with a great oh, shot big at deal. the deal. So did Craig, <laughs> Craig Hodges won a game. Are you telling me that the Bulls wouldn't have won that championship without Craig Hodges? No, there's, there, and I've, we can we can go back and forth on on James Harden all day. I agree with you, Daryl, that he's not a it doesn't help his team win. He's not a championship player. The the Ben Simmons thing though is kind of interesting because I sort of see Simmons as similarly limited. And you know the reason yes, James Harden yeah. gets eight gets eight assists a game is because he has the ball for fifty six minutes a game. Ben Simmons right. has the ball in his hands and can't score. So at least I think he can't take a shot. He can't, he can't, they leave him open. Right. So I I think that's a case of you're sort of the Rockets have nothing to lose by trading Harden and the, the Sixers have nothing to lose by dumping Simmons. I I think he doesn't, again, he's not a guy that's going to help you win, particularly, especially in the playoffs. You need the guy who is going to handle the ball that much to be able to score for you. And like you said, they're not a mystery how somebody, who's played basketball all their life, like Simmons can't get a 15 foot jump shot, you know, consistently to go in. It's, I never can understand that. I understand people having tremendous problems at the foul line, but you know, at some point, you you know, you, you practice, you practice, you practice, you usually can make a 15 foot shot. I, I think at some point it becomes mental too, where it's just Chuck Knobloch syndrome. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of agree. I, I kind of think if you were to trade a James Harden for a while, I don't, that's a wash to me because they're both flawed. Um, you know, the difference would be Harden is a lot more expensive and comes with, in my opinion, a lot more baggage. Um, I, I don't know if I kind of, the NBA, it's only two games in, um, but I think overall with, with the Kyrie Irving and uh, James Harden, behind the scene, you know, newsworthy stuff that what was going on. I think they got off to a little rocky start. Once they started playing games, though, I think the NBA, you know, has, has better days are ahead of the NBA. But I do wonder the psychological part of if, if the NBA players are going to have a harder time following some of the protocols in place because they sacrificed so much not that long ago for the bubble they were successful it you know it's a different lifestyle and schedule in the NBA um playing multiple games a week I I don't I'm not quite sure exactly what their travel protocols are in the NBA they've done something pretty pretty smart um which is good I mean it's just like what we've talked about a lot like when you know your guys idea of um just having one huge tournament with all 200 division one teams in February is a great idea and so the NBA has sort of been a leader in making changes like what they did for voting last year was awesome um, and for and for testing, 
uh, for Orlando. They were really good about that. So what they have done is they've set up a lot of times where when, say, Boston goes to play um, the Knicks, they're going to play two games. Right, and then so they'll stay and play they, the Nets. They cut down on yeah. travel, and I think they're yeah. going to stay. They're going to mainly play. They're playing less than their full schedule, and I think they're going to mainly play um, their division rivals. Well, in the NHL temporarily realigned. Have you guys gotten the details on no. this? So they they changed up the. There's going to be four divisions. One is just Canada because they can travel in Canada and then there's the you know the everything else is geographic so there's a western division there's the eastern division only goes from buffalo to boston to uh washington i think is the, wow. the south team Excellent. so at least it'll limit and, and most of those can be bus trips so i yeah. th- definitely yeah. we like to see this kind of creativity i don't know that the nba has really shown us all that much of it i mean they delayed the season by the absolute well the the playing two games is 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 the only thing they've really done but i i do think actually because they were relatively successful before i think and because they're well paid professionals i think they're going to be able to handle it and they still now they get to go home to their families and you know and they're and it's well, and the thing is what what's happening with them which we in society don't most most of us don't have this luxury is the frequent testing you could test it two or three times a week. You're going to feel pretty good about things. Well, so my next question would be, where do they? Where does a professional athlete fit in the vaccination schedule? Should they come, right? And this sort of speaks to another thing that, that you brought up over, over email during the week is where, how much relief are the sports providing? Where Where should we prioritize this use of, both public space and public resources. Where, when do we vaccinate the NBA players? Do we do it after the first responders? Do we do it after the, the group three that I'm in, where if you're 19 to 64 and you have underlying conditions, do we do them with my group? Do we do them with your group? Do we do them with Matt's group, the healthy adults? Where, when, when do we vaccinate our, our athletes? With Matt's group. But, right, so... One thing you brought up, though, that I just want to mention quickly, Jose Andreas, who is my hero, he is, he's a chef, um, humanitarian, that's just brilliant. And he really is great. And he's made this huge, so after um, Puerto Rico and then the uh, New Orleans fiasco in the uh, Superdome or whatever it was, um, he's made a big point that stadiums, by and large, are often totally publicly funded or mm. at least partly publicly funded, sit unused for all, you know, for most of the year, that they should be public spaces. That's where people should be vaccinated. And you think about it in a basketball arena, in an outdoor baseball place, you could be vaccinating hundreds of people a minute if, you know, if you had the vaccine, you know, so I, I think I really like that idea. Well, yeah, I, I think it's good. I think it should be space utilized for the greater good of the community that's funding it. Um, so I agree with you there, Daryl. It's interesting about the vaccines, Jod. I mean, I don't think they should be getting any special no. priority over anybody else. Um, healthy individuals. Except for the fact, I wonder if the leagues, if would be in the best interest of the league if this were possible if if they could buy 
the vaccine, like if they could buy bundles of the vaccine to vaccinate their players. Well, the, I don't think the, um, the, the question I don't think is of how to pay for it. It's how it's when they become available. I mean, there it's, where do we slot them in? When do we grant them the, the, the privilege of being able to buy those vaccines? I, I don't expect to. Well, go, go ahead. I, no, I was just saying, I don't expect the taxpayers to have to pay for it. The league will pay for it. You know, the players association will pay for it. But the question is, when is it appropriate to do so. And I, I think you guys are, are naive to think that it's going to happen when every other healthy 25 year old can get vaccinated. I think it's going to happen long before any of the three of us can get vaccinated, even the two of you as teachers. Well, so I think, I, I don't think it'll be before teachers because I, we're, we are, right. at least in mass, um, the governor right. we're came scheduled, out. We are we're a combination old person <laughs> with complications, medical complications, and a teacher. So I'm going to be in the second group. Do you know? So I'm very excited. I'm hoping to be vaccinated by April. Yeah. You, oh, you you should, Daryl. My uh, father-in-law is getting vaccinated uh, through the VA next week, I believe. Excited. It's great. Uh, so I, I, Joe, I actually, I do think they'll get vaccinated before the general public, but I don't think it, I don't think it's going to be because, oh, sport athletes, I, I think it's going to be because the leagues, you know, or maybe, maybe that's just like the PR way to do it. The leagues are going to buy the vaccination. Well, but again, the, the, and vaccinate their the problem isn't buying it because it, it, by them buying right. it, they're taking that many, they're taking hundreds right, of vaccines right. away from the other people. Supply. Right, right. Yes. Supply. And that's yeah. right. Exactly. And they can only, the, these companies can only supply them so fast. And I, I think I, I'd be stunned if we're all not vaccinated, all three of us aren't vaccinated by April. I mean, I, I think so then. You know, right. But I just want to be conservative. You know, I'm like happy. It gives me some light at the end of the tunnel to think that I'm, you know, April's only four months off. I'm, I'm happy with that. If it's two months from now, I'm even happier. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my prediction. Um, I guess probably safer than making a championship prediction at this point since it's, we don't know if the season's <laughs> going to finish. But I will predict that every player in the NBA will be vaccinated by February, let's say by, by Valentine's Day. Okay, so if you say that of the three of us, I'll be vaccinated then in that time. I would say you will, but Daryl, but Matt and I will be coming sometime soon after that. Why, why would pro pro basketball players and football players go before you guys? I'm making the money sign with my hands. Our oh, listeners yeah, can't yeah, hear yeah, that. Yeah, but, that. But it's supply. It doesn't matter. It, but, I mean, but, but money doesn't talk. I, the power yeah, of these leagues well, doesn't doesn't supersede that. You bring I mean, up an interesting point. I mean, they especially you know they have access to the same markets that governments do that yeah. that health organizations do. I think you know and they've got the money to say. And if I so you're going back to Bob Kraft's airplane flying in with all the PPE. Are you, you know, that's what, are you telling me that AstraZeneca is going to turn down an offer from the NBA? to pay five times as much as the vaccines are worth. And it's worth it for the NBA to do it at that point too, if they can guarantee that they're, or at least assure that, that this is not going to be a problem for them. I mean, cause the, the leagues lose, you know, millions and millions on these, these lost games. And, you know, the NBA is really the reason the NBA started so soon is because they're really itching to keep the revenue as close to the last few years as they can. So the salary cap doesn't go down and that's where this. And also, but the Christmas is a big day for the NBA. And I watched, I, I looked at several of the games 
and they were all boring games. But um, but they had, I think they had good, uh, you know, viewership, and you know they were they were there. Um, let me let me ask, poise this question out there for you, and and you guys, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if this will work. A the vaccination, it's it's not a cure; it's a vaccination, and so you're you're still susceptible to get coronavirus, even if you're vaccinated. It would lessen the severity of your symptoms. So let's say, I, I, don't, I don't know. know if it, now hold on a second, Matt. I don't know that that's exactly true. No. I mean, for one thing, we don't really know. This is such a novel thing; we don't really know. It does appear that you could be vaccinated and still carry the coronavirus and pass it on. But no, I don't think that most people when they're vaccinated will catch COVID. They may carry it, but I don't think that they'll get sick. Yeah, this this new so, the new mRNA, these two vaccines are it's a new type of vaccine. And I'm not I, my science is not strong enough to speak in any detail on this, it, but it, they it makes the cells produce antibodies before the COVID comes in their bloodstream. Right. So I, I think like Daryl said, I think you can you can carry it, but you can't transmit it or or develop symptoms. Well, and that's really unknown, but but right. Right. But you can it it so that's cause we, and it's unknown because we've never done it yet. Well, this is the first vaccine. And they're also they're so, also wait. testing at like ninety to ninety five percent effectiveness where most vaccines are like twenty to sixty. So I, I now the other thing is that I will, you know, uh, in talking about vaccines, is people are some people are freaked out that it happened so fast. But the truth is this messenger RNA started uh, 10 years ago with the yeah. SARS. So the, the framework was set up. So, um, you know, that's part of the reason why they were able to come up with this novel vaccine so quickly. Yeah. Here was my question, though, and I guess, it, and you kind of, kind of answered it a little bit. I'm, I was wondering if, would it be in the best interest of a sports organization to vaccinate their players before everybody else, because what would it prevent? What I mean, so let's say the three of us are, are in the NBA and we get vaccinated. Are we still going to need to be tested? If I test positive, like even now, if I test positive and I'm asymptomatic, my whole team is shut down because close contacts and things like that. So if, if you were to, to get vaccinated and then, if you're still regularly doing testing, the possibility of somebody being positive is still there. I'm not sure what that percentage actually is. And then, so even though, you know, we're the Lakers and we get vaccinated and I test positive, I'm still in the same boat, you know? So do you, do you, if, but if we're vaccinated, do we let fans in because the players are safe? So I, I almost wonder if it would be for the amount of money that the leagues would have to shell out given they've already lost billions, is it worth it? That, that's, yeah. I, you know, that's my question. Well, is it worth well, it? But, but, it's, that's an in, interesting point, and it's probably over all our uh, <laughs> knowledge uh, bases to really comment on it. So let's just... Well, hang on. Just I, I just did, I did, did a quick search while, while Matt was asking okay. that question, and no, apparently the vaccine won't cause you to test positive for the disease. It may cause you to test positive for antibodies because that's what the right. vaccine does, but it will not... And so it's unknown. You, you could still carry the coronavirus, 
but you're not going to get infected yourself. I think is what the understanding is right now, or the, the worry is. is that, in other words, you're vaccinated, so you're kind of protected. But if you're carrying the virus and you're around people that aren't vaccinated, you theoretically could transmit it to them. So in an environment but, where everyone is vaccinated, like the prep, like presumably the NBA or a school, you know, you would then it would have that effectiveness. And it's funny, it's the same right. argument we get for you know, against anti-vaxxers in general, that they think they're only affecting themselves, but they're not. They're, but they're not, yeah, right. They're, they're creating Petri dishes for these diseases. All right. So, so speaking of Petri dishes, <laughs> there's a college playoff coming up. Which is, and, and the other thing is, and I'd like to say that I think, I, I you know, I love Notre Dame. My um, daughter-in-law's father is a big Notre Dame grad and, and supporter. Um, but they got creamed, and Texas A&M should have been the fourth team in, I think. Texas A&M had really a stronger resume, uh, I, even though I understand Notre Dame had beat Clemson, right, or Alabama, or whoever, the, Clemson, I guess it was, but um, yeah, Clemson. They had beat them once, and then they got creamed. So first, first question for you guys is, are you satisfied with the four that are in? And then are you satisfied with the tournament? Yeah. I, I agree with you, Daryl. A&M should be in. I think it should be Ohio State out. Interesting. They're undefeated, right? Yeah, but they're 5-0. Five, five and oh. I, I think – you know, I think I, I think this is this year more than any other is the perfect argument for why this should be a six or eighteen playoff because you've right, got 18, you've got yeah. Coastal Carolina who has a, as good a claim as anybody and you've got you it's hard to say that Notre Dame and Ohio State don't deserve to be in it's hard to say right. that that Texas A and M and was it Florida was number six. Don't don't. Florida got beat pretty bad, but Florida was a good team. Yeah. Yeah, but it, this this year, I think more than ever, especially considering the shortened season, this is really when they should have added a, an, an extra yeah. round of games. Yeah. It would be easy enough yeah. to do. They're playing all these meaningless bowl games, so I think, <laughs> I, you know, I, I no, I, I don't think you're saying the Chick Fil A Bowl is not meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've canceled a. a ton of these bowl games which some some of them were just because they weren't going to have any teams so again it's sort of everything's so up in the air the nba and the nhl have shown some flexibility the ncaa should i has not shown that same flexibility so i think you know they started basketball season on time so i think it's we separate the athletes all the time we make all these distinctions between what college athletes should be put through and what pro athletes should be put through. I think we, we give the pro leagues a little too much credit, but we don't, we don't judge the college organizations harshly enough. Does that make sense? And I think, I think, no, I mean, just imagine, I mean, and you know, yes. And also, you know, we're not even mentioning high school athletes, you know, you, you lose your senior year of playing a sport you love that you've worked all your life at you know, and here you are in a situation to have the greatest experience and impact you're going to have, and boom, it's gone. So it's, it is a shame, but at the same time, you know, and I, the pros, you're making lots of money, and you, you're smart, you have no excuse, but the colleges, yeah, they, they've really done it wrong. Yeah, I, the NCAA, and you can tell this is nothing more than money. I mean, it always yeah, is. I'm not saying right. anything that, you know, Notre Dame, Ohio State, 
Clemson, and Alabama. That sells. Mm -hmm. If you throw Texas A&M in there and you kick out Ohio State, I mean, it's so um, geographical and, and, and the, the markets. You could tell they, the NCAA was going to do anything they could to get who they wanted in this playoff. I mean, I kind of do like the idea of the four teams. Um, it's better than what used to happen. You know, yeah, typically, I mean, once you get past, usually there's like five or six. And once you get past that, there is a big drop off in town. Yeah, but I agree with Joe, because if you play eight, then you have some unknown team at least gets a chance to play. And maybe they're a lot better than the opposition they've been playing and been undefeated from. And, you know, there's an upset Alabama loses. But um, so I, I'd like to see the eight, too. But, um, but I mean, what about think about was it two years ago? Was it USF? South Florida was. Um, yeah. They, they won like almost 20 them, games yeah. in a row. Yeah. And they were never close to being in the top four because it's USF. Right. But so, if there was eight teams, they might have a chance to get in there. The um, idea, so, yeah. But and that's exactly the idea of the idea that the NCAA is going to do any, you know, it, it's all comes down to the money and the market of the teams they're playing. And it, it would be like baseball always saying the Yankees and Dodgers are in the world series because they know that's their biggest cash grab. Um, the, the, the baseball would have, you know, they don't want Tampa Bay in the world series. Well, I think the, this argument too is mostly pointless this year because Alabama is, is clearly the right. best team. They're going to, they're, Who, who's going to lose to Alabama in the final. Right. And it certainly, play. it certainly isn't going to be coastal Carolina or Cincinnati. That's going to beat them. Yeah. But that's the beauty of the NCAA tournament that if you're coastal Carolina, you at least get a shot at Duke. You know, you, Virginia gets a shot at, at you know, you 16 gets a shot at a number one. And it, you know, it very rarely works out, but, you know, once in a very, very long time. Um, so listen, in our last three minutes, though, so. Well, um, let, me, let me just make one more point, Daryl. Yeah. The, the only thing I will say, I mean, I, I understand why adding more teams into a, a playoff is, is I, I like the idea, but. I do think there is something to be said for the amount of games that these college kids play anyway. And so even though, even if you're only expanding it by let's say two games, you know, if you let eight teams in the teams that are in the national championship would have had to have played two more games. And, you know, it's just, it's just more games. You're asking these college kids to play in a row week after, you know, four weeks in a row, no bye week if you're in an eight team playoff. So, I mean, there's that argument, but. You know, well, it is. Uh, but let's go to uh, unless there's some auto rating, breaking auto auto racing news that we need, Joe. Let's make a prediction on the um, pro football. I mean, are the playoffs going to win? Who who looks good? Nobody can beat Kansas City. I don't think. I hope somebody can. I, I don't. I they're, they're not. I don't find them. It's funny because they're enter, they have an entertaining offense, but I don't find them pleasurable to root for. I don't. I don't and I don't have a whole lot of faith in it. Why is that? Well, I don't. I I'm mean, not there yet. I don't know. I mean, Andy Andy Reid is a fun coach. Mahomes is a great talent. I am not. I am not confident in Andy Reid's decision making in close games. His clock management is still terrible. I don't. I think they lucked out last year. They were just too talented for the rest of the league. I it may be the case again this year, but I think he's done a better job putting that team together than he has coaching it on the field. 
That's fair. I'm not tired of the Chiefs yet. I think I will get there. Just like, you know, you, you, you're tired of the Patriots. Um, I'm not tired of the Chiefs yet. I like Mahomes. He seems like he's a fun, he's a, he's a off-the-field character. I could root for him. I agree. I don't think their defense is that, you know, I don't, it's not your typical championship level defense, but their offense is too good. I can't see them barring some injury. They just have too many weapons to, to stop and slow down. Um, you know, the, the saints, I would love to see the saints and the chiefs, uh, in the super bowl in our last minute here. Um, you know, let drew Brees right off into the sunset and, and, he either beats Mahomes or salutes him. Yeah, I think the the Saints are Green Bay. The, that final three in the national in the NFC, the Saints, Green Bay, and Seattle. It's going to be really entertaining to see who comes out of that little pack. Man, those are all flawed teams. Interesting, interesting. But all really um, explosive then, teams who can score every time they have the ball, and that's what you have to be able to do to beat Kansas City. All right. So anyway, we didn't even get the chance to talk about UMass losing to Bryant, a Division Ooh. II team, until ten years ago. Ooh. Yeah, that was it. That was that bothered me, UMass. I was hoping they would pull that off. And it was it. It looks like they're a real good team, Bryant, a real good team. Right. Yeah. And they came and they did fight back and they tied it late. And then, but listen, Joe, I think unless I didn't think about Durant get, not making the year, but I'm telling you that Brooklyn Nets team is loaded. Their second team is loaded they it was like so obvious they were going to kill the celtics yesterday um i if if i'll just say again if if durant makes the whole season they're they're playing the lakers in the finals do, do we want to make our nba predictions you, you go in the same way matt uh I, I don't know enough i mean i i i i'll say it'll be the lakers because of lebron yeah. Um, and Anthony I don't Davis. know who in the that East. guy's incredible, I, and that team is very, very good. Yeah, and I think th- they got better too, and that's where you know I think a lot of teams in the West got a little better, but they got a lot better. I, Daryl, I can't believe yeah. I'm the one that's going to pick your Celtics, and you're gonna you're gonna forsake them. Well, it, it, the thing is, the Celtics as they are right now. I mean. They like you could see it against like Brooklyn scored every time down, every time down. Boston has two scorers right now that are both great, Tatum and Brown. But at one point, one of them has to rest, so then they don't have any offense. When Kemba comes back, that'll improve it. But the big wild card with the Celtics is they have this twenty-eight million dollar trade exemption that would let them take a player like a Harden. and so if just for a one-year deal, uh, and that could be the difference. If they could add a real scorer, they are really scoring challenged, but I love them. Well, they need, some, know, si- but... they need some size, too. They, they can get a – Well, no, Tristan has really helped. Tristan Thomas is – I don't solid. think there's going to be much defense in the NBA this year, though. <laughs> I mean, I, not that there ever really was to begin with, but I think I, – I think No, you you're right, because really time. both teams, the Nets and the um, – Celtics are both good defensive teams and they were both at a hundred after three quarters. So, I mean, it was like, and, and they're good defensive teams. Um, so yeah, no, I think what I it is, think people are too skilled on offense. There's a lack of effort and they, and because of the protocols, they don't have as much practice time. Right, either. Right. So, you know, th- that whole concept of like a team defense, I just don't think will be there. I do. I don't know if this is, is there talk of James Harden going to the Celtics? 
they Celtics have made in, inquiries. It, you know, the Houston is in a good situation. They don't have to dump him. They don't have to. Right. Like he can, and if he wants to be disgruntled, fine. You know, that's not going to. All that will do is is lessen who they're going to get in, re, in return for him. I um, I, I think Boston you know. has enough backcourt strength where they. I don't see, and Danny Ainge is a smart guy. I I don't see him making a move that's going to cost him three of his rotation right. players to bring right. in James Harden. Right. He, well, and I, don't, I can't see him trading Jalen Brown to get Harden at all. I, so, I mean, if they can get him or, or somebody, you know, there's going to be some players that have a big salary that the team wants to get rid of, and there's the Celtics can take him, and they don't have to offer salary back. So, like, if you're trading for Harden, you have to give back $30 million in salary. It's funny. I the think Celts don't have to do that. I think Tatum – used to be the untouchable guy. Now it's Brown. I think Tatum Brown is so good out of those, oh those big four. And Brown plays real defense. He's yeah. really, he, he is, he's, he's the, you know, that one of those glue players, but is also, you, you very rarely have like a glue player that contributes so much on the stat line. And that's, you know, he, and doesn't need to hog the ball. Like yeah. um, Tatum does a little bit. Um, and, and certainly Harden does. Oh my God. The sh- shot that Tatum won the uh, uh, Milwaukee game. That was great. And the thing was, what I really appreciate is he was humble enough to say, no, I didn't uh, try to hit it, throw it off the glass, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but what a great, great play it was to, to, you know, cause there was Giannis who almost blocked the shot. He's, what does he have, an eight-foot arm span? You know, it's just amazing. <laughs> Daryl, the uh, other thing I can't believe we didn't mention was Casey Jones. I know. Or, or yeah. Heinsen. Yeah, well, Heinsen uh, was. Heinsen, they said yeah. they made a really good uh, comment. On, so Heinsen used to actually drive me nuts because he was almost like Johnny Most, you know. It's every time. It's all the Celtics get all the bad calls, and, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. They'll never, you know, it's just like, but at the end of that game, that was a crummy call on Tristan Thompson that got um, Giannis the opportunity to tie the game up. And, and it was so that Doris Burke said, boy, if Tommy was on the air right now, he <laughs> would be screaming, you know, and he, he would have been, you know. But, but Casey Jones, uh, was that Thursday night that he died? He was one of those guys yeah. that, you know, like, and you, you saw this in all the articles about him. Anyone that ever had any interaction with him raves about what a g- kind, gracious person he was. And really, he was humble. And in the age of Bobby Knights and, you know, yelling, screaming coaches, he was, he was the, the quiet one. And he had that, had that persona. I get one of only seven players to win an NBA championship, an NCAA championship, and a gold medal, Olympic gold medal. Right, because he, I think he was on Russell's team, wasn't he, San Francisco, when they won the – in college? I think yeah, that's yeah. why he won the, the national championship, yeah. And then in, in addition, yeah. he went on to win a couple of titles as a coach. And you know, Yeah, he was a good coach. But anyway, thanks a lot for listening to Sports Plus Show with Baker, Big D, and – Joe, and uh, we will see you next week. Next year. Woo! Next year. Oh, boy.